Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Wow. Give it up for LU Worship, huh? Wow, that was pretty great. Well, I am here to introduce our speaker for this weekend. Uh, he uh, is actually a missionary kid from Australia, so down under. Huh? Uh, he also is a man of style. He has this wonderfully beautiful leather bag that I saw him carrying. It is, it is pretty sweet. Uh, he's currently a youth pastor uh, in Chesapeake, Virginia, so down just not under. So give it up for Tim Trinkle. Hey, g'day guys, how's it going? I love that, I love that energy, I love that you're so excited, and thank you for clapping again, we appreciate you. Um, yes. Yeah, so um, I was a missionary kid to Australia, and um, that's really great, but um, as you'll notice, I don't have the thick accent, and that is because I am a discount Australian, which means that I'm kind of like the thing that your mom buys you from the dollar store and she tells you it's going to work just as good, all right? It doesn't work just as good. That's a lie from Satan. Please don't buy cologne or aftershave from the dollar store. Um, yeah, your youth leader will tell you more about that. But hey, yeah, my, my name is Tim. I do come up here. I've been living in Virginia for like two years now, almost. Um, it's been a party so far. Um, I have a wife and she's great. Her name is Liz. She's not here with me. I already miss her. Um, I have a little boy. He's nearly four. The dude is nuts. He constantly goes off like a frog in a sock. If you want to know what that's like, stick a frog in a sock. It'll go off. But I'm really excited to be here with you tonight um, because this idea of freedom is, is really interesting for me as someone who grew up overseas. Because the idea of freedom in America is different than the idea of freedom nearly everywhere else. And further, the idea of freedom, as is found in God's Word, is different than even that. And tonight... I'm really excited because freedom is something that we value, especially in America. What was really interesting for me is that during the pandemic, I saw how Americans were responding to it, and I saw how all my friends in Australia were responding to it, and the two things literally could not be more different. Freedom is something that we value here in this country, and that's great, and we like, we, like the fact that we got to do this, I actually was sitting on an Amtrak train on my way here today, and, and, and I, was, I had my Bible open, and I, and I wasn't afraid of that. That's really weird. Like, we grow up with that, but that's a really strange thing. And we value that freedom almost to a fault. Freedom is something that we chase, right? Who here has Life360 on their mobile phone? Who? Okay, all right, you ready? Who here, right? This is, this is transparency and honesty, all right? Who here has either turned it off or considered turning it off? I love that. I love that, all right? It's something that we chase. I mean, how excited were we 
the first time that we got to go do something by ourselves. Some of us youngins up in this place, this is the first time that we've got to like leave mom and dad for the weekend, right? And it's fitting to get crazy up in this place, right? The first time my parents let me go to camp, I was in third grade. And, and let me tell you, I did not know what to do with myself when they said, hey, it's time for free time. I like, what, what is free time? I was so free. Freedom's something we chase. And here's the problem. Freedom isn't something that ever lasts very long. When I grew up overseas, there was this really cool gold mining town called Ballarat. And Ballarat is nuts because it's actually in the middle of an active gold rush. When I lived there as a kid a couple years ago, they were trying to figure out how to raise the city on stilts so that they could get in there and get the multi-billion dollars worth of gold out of the ground without having the city cave in on itself. And while we were there, you learn about what is the equivalent of the Australian Civil War, right? It was a battle over the Southern Cross. You can look this up, it's really interesting. And basically it all boiled down to miners were issued licenses to mine gold. Like if you wanted to go and mine gold, you had to go and pay the king a fee to be able to mine gold. Now here's the problem. The government at the time was a little bit shady. Like when you get a whole bunch of convicts on an island, something usually goes weird. And they were issuing these, these, these licenses on paper that was not really well designed to hold up to water. Well, if you're a miner, what do you win? You're in water up to your knees all day long. And British soldiers would come around and demand to see people's licenses or arrest them. And if your license was bad or you just found this giant gold nugget and as you're going to get your payday, someone splashes a bunch of water on you and all the ink on your license wears off, well, guess what? You just mined gold without a license. And guess what? That means that that nugget belongs to the king. As you can imagine, the miners were really upset by this. But again, it's Australia, so guns aren't really a thing. They took their shovels and their axes and their pitchforks, and they took it to the British. And they lost miserably. But what they did do is they won their ability to mine gold under less restrictive measures. They won a measure of freedom, right? Woo-woo! When I was a kid, some people in our church were gold miners as like a, a hobby. They like to go up into the mountain and pan for gold. What you know it, what's the first thing they told us you have to leave the house with? A license. Freedom doesn't last very long. Tonight, we're going to talk about our original position. The original position in which we were created. We're going to talk about what that was like. What it was like to live in the freedom that God created us in. And tonight we're going to talk about our current position because that freedom didn't last very long. And we're going to talk about how we as humanity can fully realize our original position. Again, tonight we are going to dive into God's word. If you brought your Bibles with you, I ask that you do this. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. And if you're here and you're like, I brought my Bible and I want to get it out, or it's on my phone and I don't want to deal with that, or like you just didn't bring it, I want to tell you guys something. Every time you come to an event like this, or even your own youth group, bring your paper Bible. I say bring your Bible for a simple reason. If you don't know if the guy up, on, up front is lying to you, if you don't have proof in front of you, bring your Bible. 
bring your paper Bible, right? Because I've never, ever, 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 ever gotten a notification that was weird on my paper Bible. It's never happened. And can I, I've got so much ADHD, it's like ridiculous. And I'm not talking about that fake ADHD. I'm not talking about the, oh, I have ADHD. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about it is difficult for me to remember simple things. And when my favorite YouTuber posts a new way for coffee to be brewed, and it is Sunday morning, and I am trying to listen to the preacher, let me tell you a secret. There is a part of me that sometimes clicks on the video, okay? But it's never happened on my paper Bible, so bring your paper Bible. We're going to get into it. Before we do that, we're going to pray, all right? And here's what we're going to pray for. We're going to pray for this. Those of you in the room who you right now objectively do not believe in God, and you came because of someone or because this was going to be fun, I want to ask you a favor. I know that you don't believe, and that is totally cool with me. We're going to be friends still. Here's, the, here's, here's what I want you to hear. Just listen. And here's why. I want you to make an informed decision. You can decide after this weekend that you still don't believe in God, and I will still love you, and so will your youth leader. And if anything in your head is telling you different, you can tell that thing to go get somewhere, okay? However... I want you to make an informed decision. So listen, take notes, treat this like class so that when you do make that decision, you make it informed and you make it with good information because making a decision with bad information is a bad decision, all right? Those of you who are in here, maybe you're a little bit like you, do you accepted Jesus, but you're like, ah, nah, I'm not really, me and Jesus aren't really cool right now. I went to a conference like this one time and me and Jesus weren't really cool and I didn't even know it. And let me tell you a secret. I would not be here today if it wasn't for the things that were said on that stage that God used to get in my heart and fix me. This could be it. And if it's not it, don't lose heart. But dive in this week. And those of you who are in here are like, dude, Jesus is my best friend. I just spent five minutes with him five minutes ago. Look, thank you for coming. Don't be a distraction. Dive in and see what God has for you. Allow God to equip you. Allow God to minister to you and worship your God. Does that make sense? All right, let's pray. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Lord, we, we, we come before you. And God, I come before you. And God, I wish and I pray, Lord, that you would remove me. God, I pray that you would not allow me to do anything in my own flesh, but God, I pray that your spirit abound. Lord, I pray that you would give us focus. God, I pray that you would remove distraction. And God, I pray that ultimately we would understand who we are before you, who you created us to be, and the right order of things and how you're going to bring that about. God, I pray that if there are people in this room who don't know you, that you'd introduce yourself to them. God, I pray that you would help us focus on who you are and learn. Lord, we love you. We need you. In your precious, gracious name we pray. Amen. Awesome. That was very crackly and poppy. Okay, cool. So um, what I want us to do is I want us to keep our finger in Hebrews 10 because that's where we're going to be most of the night. But I want to show you guys something. I want to show you guys something over in Genesis 3, 8. 
So turn there as well. But on our way over there, I want to share with you the first thing that I want you to write down tonight. And that thing is, is that humanity was created in freedom, right? Humanity, you and me, we were created to exist within freedom, right? So we have, should have heard, all heard the creation story, right? God created for six days. On the seventh day, he, that was, on the seventh day, he, there we go, right? And, and then what did he do? He told Adam to name all the animals. He told Adam to do his thing. He gave Adam dominion over the earth. God took a look at Adam and said, you seem a little bit incomplete. And this is kind of the weird part about that passage for me. God noticed that Adam was incomplete, so he brought all the animals to Adam. And, like, can you imagine, like, you've got all these animals walking by you, and you're like, that one would be a weird partner. That one would be a weird partner. That one, that's not going to work. Why, why, God, why, why did you make a beaver with the head of a duck? That's got to be a platypus. That's not going to work. Which, by the way, did you know that platypus are, like, super poisonous? Everything in Australia wants to kill you. Okay, so that's all, that's all happening. And then God gives him Eve, and Adam and Eve together, he says, you guys are going to have dominion over everything. Be fruitful and multiply. They were able to do whatever they wanted. They were created to live free. They were innocent. They had no cares of the world. Not only did they not have sin in their heart, they weren't affected by sin of other people. They didn't have to do, like, honestly, we were back there getting all excited, and my brother texted me a mugshot, and he said, don't you know this guy? Some guy that I kind of grew up with a little bit just went to jail, like, 20 minutes before at this. And, like, that hurt me. Like, my, my heart was conflicted, and I was, like, anxious. It was weird. For, it was hard. They didn't have to deal with that. They were able to live free. If you struggle with anxiety or depression in the room tonight, something that I'm sure you wonder or even consider or think about often is the time before you realized what anxiety and depression really was. You probably consider like, oh man, when I was six, everything was easier. When I was 10, everything was easier. Or before I moved to this new school, everything was easier. Or before this happened, everything was easier. And now it's just hard, 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 awful, awful, awful. They lived like that, pre-sin. Everything was easy. And in fact, everyone take a look. We got it up on the screen, Genesis 3, 8. It says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Hey, like, level with me here for a second. Have you ever really, really wanted answers? Like, something was hard, and you're like, I need an answer to this. Adam and Eve, because of the freedom in which they lived, had direct access to the creator who made them. Adam could have said to God, what do I do here? How do I best cultivate this? What is that animal for? What, what is going on here and there and everywhere? God met with them one-on-one, -on -one on a regular basis, and convened with them. 
There was true freedom in that. This passage is actually after they sinned, but it shows us a pattern of God being in the garden with them. The imagery that's given is imagery of just like hanging out like you and I are right next to each other right now. How many times have you been going through it and you wish that God would just come into your room so you could have a conversation with him like he was your parents sitting on the chair across the street from your bed? They were able to have that. We were given dominion over everything. We could live freely under God. Because here's the thing, and here's what we need to consider when we think about how good they had it. Life is more healthy when you're good with the authority in your life. Every single school has the teacher. You know what I'm talking about. I'm sure she's a great lady. I'm sure he's a great guy. But they rule the classroom with an iron thumb. Who don't you want to make upset? That teacher. How much better is life under that teacher when your homework's turned in, your phone's in your bag, you've not said anything in class, you sit at the back, and they almost forget you're there. Life is so much easier. If you're a class clown in this room tonight, you know that life is not easy when you go into that room. Our teacher's name was Mrs. Wyke. I made it my goal to see how many desks in her class I could break by sitting in them too hard. Two was my number. She was not a fan. Of, actually, I emailed her a couple of months ago and apologized for, I'll maybe tell that story later. But life is so much easier when you're under that authority and you're good with that authority. And then sin took place, right? Adam and Eve sinned. Remember that? If you had felt bored in Sunday school class, you were told it was an apple. Bible just says fruit. Eve ate it. Adam ate it. It was a disaster. Here's the thing about that. That ruined everything. Everything was broken because of that. God, a holy God, isn't allowed to be and isn't able to be around sin because then he wouldn't be holy anymore. So it broke our relationship with God. It broke our relationship with each other. It broke our relationship with the earth. The earth is broken because of sin. We're going to talk more about the result of sin tomorrow night, but tonight I want you to know that Adam and Eve sinned. They sinned, and then there was a period of time between Adam and Eve's sin all the way to Moses, and everything in between that period was a mess. There was a Tower of Babel. There were people that were just running from God. Um, Cain and Abel had a problem. Everything was a mess, right? And then when Moses came around, God, in his love for his people, saw his people not being able to figure out how to live with all of this extra freedom that they had because they knew the difference between good and evil that he gave the law as a substitute. The law was given as a substitute. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. It says, For since the law was but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities. You see, Moses was given a law for the people of Israel. The people of Israel didn't know how to live. Humans didn't know how to live. And you can see that if you read the whole book of Genesis, everyone was a mess. 
they really shouldn't make a movie about the book of Genesis. It was a disaster. Human beings didn't know how to live. So God, in his abundant grace for his people, saw his people hurting themselves, so he gave them a law. Now, here's the thing about the law. The law was given by God to Moses. Moses gave it to the people. The people were expected to live it. But human life, under the angst of sin, and with all of this extra freedom that we have, is really, really complicated So the law was a gracious thing, but it was a difficult thing to follow because literally everything had to be talked about. I mean, some of the laws in 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 the law are they're they're hard to comprehend. They're 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 difficult to think what must have happened for God to write that down as law. And here's the problem: depending on if you broke the law, like the condition of your heart when you broke the law, be it by accident or on purpose. There were different things that you had to do to pay for that sin. If you broke the law on purpose, you had to sacrifice so many goats, a dove, and 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 so much flour and some wine. If you if you broke the law and it was an accident, you had to do a completely different set of things. And here's the problem: that sacrifice only covered that sin. So if I cussed my mom out by accident because I thought she was my friend, I'd have to do all of these sacrifices. And then when I forgot to take out the trash, and then I back-talked my dad on purpose because he needs to get up out of my face, then I'd have to do all these other sacrifices the next day. That's a lot of goats. That's a lot of sheep. It was hard. It was gracious because we now have instructions on how to live, but it was difficult because how can anybody do that much? You see, we live with an illusion of freedom under this law. You see, because when you don't know Jesus, you still live under the law. I'm like, you know, Tim, I don't live under nothing. Here's the thing. Regardless of whether or not you believe in God, what I'm telling you is, is that I believe in God, and I believe that he's the creator of the universe. So if that is the case, just come on to my side for a second, play your own devil's advocate, and come over here for a second and think about it. If God created everything, God wrote the laws for everything and how they exist. I have a really, really old Toyota. It's got 300,000 miles on it. The people that, yeah, love it, okay? The people that made that said, Tim, and all the owners that it had before me, you need to make sure you change the oil in that thing every 5,000 miles. It gets 5W30, full synthetic, every 5,000 miles. And everyone that owned it before me must have done that because it's still driving wonderfully. They wrote the law for that thing. God wrote the law for humanity and the world and creation and how it's supposed to work. And if you don't know Jesus and you live under that law, you live with an illusion of freedom. Because, I mean, I objectively can do whatever I want right now. I, I, can, do, I can do whatever I want right now. If some depraved thought comes to my, like, Whatever. But we, we, we know that there's consequences for actions. Just like that dude that I used to know that I, I, I knew really well growing, growing up. Like, he, he has consequences. He has to face now because of that. Like, I, like there, there are consequences to our actions. We live with this illusion of freedom, and it's an illusion because it's not true freedom. And it's not true freedom 
because sin is inevitable. Whenever you put a whole bunch of people in a room and you tell them they can do whatever they want, they're going to start sinning. If you don't believe me, watch reality television for five minutes. You see, here's the thing. The writer of Hebrews, he wasn't saying things to people that he needed to prove. Because when we look around and we see all that's around us, we see sin and we see human depravity. I mean, turn on the news. Like, like every time they talk about the war in Ukraine, you just hear about some crazy stuff that's happening. If you turn on reality TV, crazy stuff's happening. I mean, Kanye went completely off the left field, right? Like anytime you turn people loose and you give them freedom, it is in their natural, it is in their natural nature to go and do something crazy. To go and do something that would hurt and to harm. We live with this illusion of freedom and we live freely. We live freely, but sin is inevitable. It's like my dog. I love my dog but my front door is broken. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit inside the door frame because I rent, and so I got the landlord special on that, right? So here's the thing. My wife always sends me out with, like, stuff. She's like, hey, like, I know you're going to drive to church, so on your way, I want you to drop this off here. I need you to return this there. I brought this home from church by accident. I need you to take it back to church. And then already, like, I like all my books. I carry a lot of books. <laughs> I have so much crap in my backpack. So I'm carrying all this stuff with me, and I've got my coffee as well because I am a sanctified man, and I'm trying to walk out the door. And if I don't, if I don't like hook the door just right and then slam that jank, it like will close, and then slowly pop open. But because my house isn't level, again, landlord special, um, the door will open all the way. And then my dog, who has a dog door and has complete access to the outdoors 24/7, will go. Oh, it's time to escape today. It's inevitable. It happened on my way here. And then I have to convince her to get in the truck because then she's like, oh, we're going on a ride. And then I have to disappoint her and say, no, you're going back in the house. Sin is inevitable. And here's the problem with sin. When we live freely doing whatever we want, the natural result of that is guilt. Have you done something bad before? Like, let's be honest. Like, I've done something bad before. If you've done something bad before, raise your hand. Be honest. Look around. That's everybody. If you're not raising your hand, you're just being a little bit lazy. I love you to death, but you've done something bad. doesn't even matter how bad. How do you feel when you've done something bad? You feel guilty. When, when, when you steal something, you feel guilty. When, when you lie, you feel guilty. When Sometimes when we think something bad about somebody else, we don't even say it, we feel guilty. Hey, guys, when you're out there just doing your thing and living your life and living your best life and not even caring or not like whatever, you feel guilty. It's inevitable. Here's, here's the thing with, with guilt that I've found in my life. Guilt, what, end up, what ends up happening with guilt is it actually shackles us to sin. Here, think about this cycle for a second, all right? Every single one of us has a predisposition to a particular type of sin that we struggle with. I don't care who you are. All right, I know what mine are. Your youth leader, they know what theirs is. And they'll probably just straight up tell you, I struggle with, boop. Like, for me, I, I really struggle with pride. And you know what? When I get all prideful and feeling all good about myself, right, 
and then I start criticizing other people because out of some ill-conceived notions, I think I could be better than them, I, I, I feel that guilt. And I have two options in that point. And when you feel guilt, you have two options. You can either satiate the guilt or satisfy the guilt. And what happens is, is I often, my natural nature is to try to satiate that guilt. So you know what I try to do? I try to prove myself. Oh, I can preach, but I'm going to go preach the heck out of Romans 5. I'll show that worser preacher. You get on the internet and you look at that site again and you feel terrible about it. And then, you know what? A really good escape is looking at that website again. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You're not supposed to be doing that thing with your significant other, but you do it and you feel awful. So let's go on mental vacation and let's do it again. And you try to break that sin cycle, but you can't because you continue to use that sin to satiate the guilt in which you continue to rather around in. So guys, I have a statement for you, and this is the main idea of the night, and it is this. You might think in your seat that you are living free, but I have a question for you. What are you doing with all of that guilt? You see, under the law, there was no permanent solution for that guilt. You see, if you read the rest of that verse, it says it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. You see, every time someone sinned, they would sacrifice sin, sacrifice sin, sacrifice sin, sacrifice, and it wasn't working. That passage goes on to say that every time someone sacrificed, they were just reminded of their sin again. Otherwise, they would not cease to be offered since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. You see, if the sacrifices were working, they wouldn't feel guilt anymore. If the sacrifices were working, they wouldn't have anything to worry about anymore. So my question to you is, is what is your version of a sacrifice? And what I mean by that is, is when you do something you know you shouldn't do, what good thing do you try to do to cover up that thing that you just did? Do you go to church more? Do you try to really sing loud on a worship song? Do you volunteer at that missions event that your church did? Do you try to do a good deed? Do you say sorry over and over again to the wrong person? Do you confess it on one of those anonymous message boards? What do you do? What sacrifice do you offer? Verse 4 says, for it is impossible, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. These sacrifices that were being offered didn't do anything to fix the problem. And here was the thing that was just causing this whole thing to be a disaster and get all blended up. Humanity was designed for freedom. And because the law was not sufficient for sin, God sent his son to die. Because the law was not sufficient for sin, God sent his love to die, sent his son to die for our sins. So we're at an impasse because there's no perfect solution for guilt under the law. We're at an impasse. I want to skip ahead a little bit. I want to read the rest of, of that passage because we're running out of time this evening, and I want, to, I want to honor your time, but I also want you to understand 
what it is that's happening here. See, if you continue to read chapter 10, the, the, the author goes through and he, and he tells it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And then, and then he talks about how when Jesus came into the world, um, sacrifices, Jesus said this, sacrifices and offerings you've not desired. Jesus is talking about God. God didn't want all of these sacrifices and all these offerings. It was simply something that he gave in the law so that we would have something, but then Jesus came to fulfill the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law. Jesus said, behold, he's saying this to God, behold, I have come to do your will. You see, the first order was the law. We had the law, and we had to do all these sacrifices to follow the law, and it wasn't working, and it didn't fully take away our sins. But what the law did do was it did make us recognize that we needed something. And if you're in here tonight and you're not experiencing freedom, I'm sure you can understand that you need something because the guilt is probably becoming overwhelming. And I'm not saying that to you because I'm trying to throw you under the bus. I'm saying that to you because I have been there, scorned of heart, knowing fully well that God loves me, but it didn't feel like it, or maybe not even knowing who God is yet, but not knowing what to do next about it, because my heart hurt, because it was full of the guilt that I caused it, and I kept running, running to things that made it feel a little bit better. But it only made it feel better for a little bit. But Jesus did away with the first order and to establish the second. Verse 10 says, And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. You see, my people up in this place, because I love you guys to death. I don't even know any of you, but you're all incredible people. I want to tell you this. And I know that felt a little bit rushed and crazy, but here's where it lands. You ready? If you want true freedom, you have to come to Jesus. Like real freedom. If you want true freedom, you've got to come to Jesus. And Jesus loves you so stinking much. He doesn't even care what you did. In fact, the Bible says that when you accept him, he takes all your sins and he puts them on the bottom of the ocean floor with all the other weird stuff he created down there. Like, for real, though, just level with me here for a second. If you're really, really, really struggling with guilt and, and your free living is producing all of this guilt, come live in freedom with Jesus. Because here's the cool part. When you accept Jesus, when you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says that you are justified which means that your sins have been forgiven and not only forgiven, but paid for. Did you know that Christianity is the only faith-based idea system where your sin actually has to be paid for? Everybody else says that the deity just forgets it. No, 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 no. My God paid for that thing that I did. Paid for it on the cross. And then he says, bring those things to me. I paid for them. That's mine. That sin that you did, bring it to me. It's mine. You don't have to feel that guilt anymore because it's been paid for. If you want true freedom, all you have to do is come to Jesus. Won't you let your youth leader introduce you to their Jesus tonight? 
if you already know who Jesus is and you're struggling with guilt because you haven't brought something before the throne of God, won't you let your youth leader walk you through that process? It's going to be scary. But the amount of relief that you'll experience once that thing has been confessed and put behind you is going to be overwhelming. And you can go home tonight and you can go home after this weekend with a clear conscience, knowing that you live in grace, which means that you live in full understanding of where you stand with God, and that is as his chosen. If you're in the room and you don't know Jesus, won't you let us introduce you to Jesus this evening? If you're in the room and you know Jesus, but your heart's all tore up because you've got some stuff going on that you need to get out, won't you let us walk you through that process tonight? Let's pray. Lord Almighty, God above, thank you so much for who you are and how much you love us. God, this evening, I pray that you would give us courage to confess. God, this evening, I pray that you give us courage to accept you for who you are. Lord, I pray that you would help us understand that there is no true freedom, actual freedom, apart from living in freedom with you. Oh, Lord, we need you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.